and and I think that at first first glance it can be looked at as selfish but when you think about it more and more and more it's probably more selfish not to put yourself first because then you're giving everybody else a, a cheaper version of you what are you doing to create your dream life or your best self why do we see some thrive through challenges while others struggle Welcome to F It, a podcast where I talk about the main Fs in my life that have helped me in creating my best self. Faith, family, forgiveness, food, fitness, and formula. Hi, my name is Amy Ledeen, and most would say that I've had my fair share of struggles, whether it was placing my baby for adoption at 18, facing my marriage-ending affair, or battling stage four cancer for almost seven years, it's safe to say that I've been through a lot. Join me as I take you through my story, my journeys, and share with you the tactical strategies every single week that will help you thrive and overcome anything you face. That's right, I'm gonna show you how to create a future self that you'll be proud of. So buckle up, get ready for the ride as I take you through my story and bring other guests on that have helped me along the way. So today's guest, we got ahead of ourselves as we got into our conversation the day that we were recording that... You're going to notice I go right into it. But Bryce Wilson is on the podcast today. And I'm so excited to have him because, you know, without having the visual of him, you're going to, you know, think based on his experience that he is this older, you know, lifelong experienced person when in fact he's in his mid 20s and is already a self made millionaire. What is amazing about Bryce is I met Bryce when he was involved in a completely different business called Ticket Rescue that we talk about on this episode. But then, of course, if you're listening to this in live time, COVID hit and his type of business, as you can imagine, ticketing, you know, it's like a ticket master type thing, resell. I mean, completely needed to change. So we dive into that. We dive into biohacking. Like we talk about everything. I mean, this guy, I could talk to him for hours because he's just, you just are blown away by, you know, his experiences. He's living in an RV right now. We talk about that too. So I'm excited to get into this episode. So, you know, we got talking, Bryce, before we started rolling. And now I'm like, we just need to start. And I'm going to record an intro later because I really do love the realness of podcasting if if you do it that way and it doesn't it doesn't have to be you know edited and taken out instead people really have the conversations because prior to coming on you know I think I remember Lewis Howe saying that it's the pre-show right Mm -hmm. that really matters so welcome to the show Bryce thank you for coming on Thank you so much. I've been so excited for this one. Just honestly, just to talk to you. Like I finally get to talk to Amy. I get to talk to her for, I don't know how long, but I've been looking forward to this one. Me too. Me too. And you know, we sat next to each other at one of the dinners and we got to talk a little bit there and you know, you really, really give the perfect example of one age, not mattering. I mean, you're 24. I know I'm going to mention this in my intro, but you know, you're young in age, but you were, everyone kind of joked that you were the, the old soul at the, at the course. And, and you know, it was, it was really, really exciting for me to squash limiting beliefs. And I think that that's one thing that you bring to so many people is that, you know, age is just a number and that you can start. But I want to actually go back there before we move on to the fact that you're in an RV right now. Because I, so my podcast is all about creating your best self. And as I was listening to you recently on a podcast, your father 
and just your parents in general came up so much in that podcast. I was just, man, I'm, I'm, I was proud for your parents because <laughs> I can tell how much you love them. And so, you know, one of our mottos in our house is behaviors are caught, not taught. And while we can teach our kids a lot of things, like it's the modeling doesn't mean that, Hey guys, I've screwed up a lot. So we can go and fix those things, but take me back to like your childhood because you're really young and successful. Was this something that you modeled from your parents? I think there's so much of me that has been modeled from my parents. And I think that's normal for everybody, right? Like, now being older and matured and more aware, I am able to not block, but be aware of the behaviors that I'm taking on and kind of pick and choose, right? Like we're aware enough now to see what other people are doing and recognize I don't want to take that on. I'm blocking that out. Me and my girlfriend always say that, like not receiving that, like not today. No, not you. Um, but I think that as children growing up, we don't have that awareness. So we really are just a, in a lot of ways, a product of our environment. And I think that for me, I was so lucky to have people that were just really good in my parents that had really, really great qualities that I could just bring into my life and not really intentionally, but I just got lucky to kind of receive those. Right. I think that's what's so powerful is, you know, we talk a lot about it. I mean, even in my, my health and wellnesses, I, I tell parents a lot of times that it's going to be just caught by you. It's not going to be something that you even advertise. I find it fascinating with my little kids when they're in that modeling phase, you know, we've had, you know, several nannies over the years and the mannerisms that my children have picked up on have always been really funny just to see the power in that. So you know, I think that's why I always like to ask one, you know, I mean, even in therapy, like my best therapist ever, the first thing she did was she took me through my system. She called it like, let's go to your childhood because that's really where it all starts for some of us, whether it is we are here because of like maybe a byproduct of overcoming something, or maybe we've modeled something we want or don't want, but you know, it does start there. So you went to college, you know, and did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Not at all, honestly. My entire life up until my very last game as a soccer player in college was sports. Like that's what I identified as. I was an athlete. That's all I ever thought of. And I think I finally, like I say this all the time, but I got to my last game and I, I was done. I knew I wasn't going to play pro or anything like that. And I was like, what now? What do I do? I don't, what, what's next, right? Um, and I think I kind of always just instinctively had that entrepreneur in me, but never recognized it and never even really, I never had an example of it in my life because I can't think of anybody in my immediate family or even aunts or uncles or anybody that are entrepreneurs, like a true example of an entrepreneur. So I didn't even really recognize that as the possibility until I kind of got into it and realized, oh, wait. I can build my own thing. I don't have to work for somebody else. I don't have to go. I was an accounting student and all of my classmates were going and working 80 to hundred hours at these big accounting firms. And I don't have to do that. I can go create something and you know, everything was created, right? All these businesses, somebody started them. So why can't I be the person to start another business? 
Exactly. And one thing, you know, okay, so, you know, you own an actual, like, it's funny because in the masterminds, I do, you meet a lot of people that are either in network marketing or coaching, but that's not where you come from. And I think that's really why I was interested in just, you know, having you on. Not that I think that you can't go into those types of things, but some people don't realize that you can still have, you can still be in service and and be like this forward thinker and like purpose driven because that's how I see you and not be a coach and not be like directly in that. So tell me how you even thought of going into Ticket Rescue, which I know you've changed the name of it since I was, you know, with you, but take me through that because you've just recently done a complete pivot, which I find fascinating, but you made some really good points that we're going to talk about. And that is because you've got a really solid, you know, base. And so you're able to pivot now because of that. So take me through the business and up to at least till March. Yeah. So it wasn't really intentional getting into it. I kind of stumbled into it. So to start the idea, the concept behind the business is we purchase tickets from people who can no longer use them. So if you got sick and couldn't go to a show, instead of just letting those tickets go to waste, you could sell them to us, get some of your money back. And then we say, okay, we're going to find somebody else that gets to experience this. Another fan, make sure that experience gets lift through somebody, right? We don't want those seats to go unfilled. Um, so that's the concept behind the business. And I kind of got into it just in college looking over summer to make some money. I had some tickets, I couldn't go. I sold them and made some money. And I was like, okay, maybe I can do this and started looking around on Craigslist and stuff like that. Eventually I made a, a Twitter page and was doing it really small scale, um, just finding people through Twitter, buying their tickets and, and selling them on marketplaces. And one day I was in the car, I was in the car with my mom. We were driving our my grandparents up to New York and taking turns driving and I'm in the back seat like, doing my business, just working a little bit. Things are slow, not moving too fast. And I, I made a Facebook page and all of a sudden it just went crazy. Like so many people coming in that I'm typing as fast as I can, can't even take a break to take a sip of water. And my mom's like, all right, it's your turn to drive. And I'm like, I can't, I literally cannot. There's no chance. I can't step away from the computer. Ended up working through the night nonstop. And I think that was the aha moment for me of this is real. There's something, something here and people want this from there. It was just a, a smooth transition from athlete to, okay, this is my next grind. I'm not, I'm not going to get in a job. I'm going to continue working on this. Luckily I was making enough money very early on to make that decision pretty easily. Um, and I just said, I'm going to jump into this hundred percent learn everything I can. I consume books like crazy and read everything I could about entrepreneurship and business and leadership and all of that stuff. Tried to talk to as many people as I could and really just figured it out along the way. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing, but I was confident enough in myself to say, I'll figure it out. Like I'm smart. I'm smart enough. I can figure it out. Somebody else figured it out. So why can't I? I, I love that. And I did notice that on when I heard you on another podcast, just your belief in yourself and your belief that you can do it. So what would you say to the person that's just like they're struggling to believe in yourself? Is there something, you know, obviously audible praise and things like that? Are there things that you do when you are like facing something new to keep yourself always believing? Yeah, 
there's so much stuff and we got into this before the show. I could talk for hours on this, but just the, the power of thought, the power of our words, the power of our beliefs, things like visualization and all of this stuff. I think something that stuck with me so strongly, I heard someone say, and I, I can't verify if this is factual or not, but I heard someone say that it was scientifically proven that our mind cannot differentiate thought from reality. So yes, basically, if, if you are thinking, you know, about getting in a car accident, it's no different outside of your, your body not actually experiencing it, like physically, it's no different in your mind than you actually experiencing a car accident. So I think about how many people are always going through worst case scenarios in their head and literally experiencing that, like how crazy is that to think about? And the reverse of what if you constantly were visualizing good things and you were experiencing that? What if every day you woke up and you visualize yourself being a millionaire? How much easier would it be for that experience to actually become a reality? Because you've in your mind, in your body have actually experienced that experience, right? And what, and what does it hurt? Like I, this is the part, and I can tell you're a big dreamer because I've heard some of your big dreams. You talk about being a billionaire. Like you, you really, really spread the, the vision to your team. And I love that. And being the big dreamer that you are, I mean, I, I see it this way. And I tell this to, you know, my clients or people that go through my course, what does it hurt to believe positive. Like I create a vision board every year. And did I, did I hit every single one of them this year? No. Was I upset? Absolutely not. Because the chasing of it is exciting to me. I love seeing the things on there. Like even if the pool, you know, we haven't done the groundbreaking on our pool yet, but I'm just excited. And like you said, your brain doesn't see the difference. The same things light up in the reality and in the imagination. So why does it hurt us to think that way, right? And I, that's something that has stuck with me so much, the idea of like, what's it going to hurt? I have a vivid memory of there were friends of ours and the girl, she was very into woo and, and spiritual stuff and crystals. And her husband was the opposite, her fiance. Um, and she gave him a, a little crystal. I think it was citrine for abundance and said, just put it in your pocket. And he's like, ah, don't make me put this crystal in my pocket. And she's like, what's the worst that could happen? It doesn't work and nothing happens. You just carried a little stone around in your pocket. And if it does work, all you had to do was carry a stone around in your pocket and you are now more abundant and receive all these amazing things. So, and I think that's true for so much of this stuff that you talk about. Like, what's it going to hurt? There's no bad that's going to come out of it. That that's just I think that's just it. You know, I remember when we signed up for Arte with, you know, Ed Milet and Andy Frazella, part of, you know, what Ed would really drive home with all of us because, you know, I mean, who knows if we were specially chosen? Like I'll we'll never know, right? If it was just we were willing to pay it or whatever. However, if you went in buying into the dream of, listen, you guys are special and we believe that you're special and you have a lot to offer the future. And this is going to be, this year is your year. And I remember leaving on that trip and I said to Eric, I'm going all in on this. Like, I'm going to believe that this was my golden ticket to a, a new future pivot, whatever you want to call it, because what does it hurt? Why do I need to be the cynic 
Or why do I need to be the person that's always trying to poke the holes when you're just an overall happier person? I mean, I think that, you know, uh, Joe Dispenza, you know, it's highly suggestible is what they call that kind of person. And, you know, sometimes it gets labeled as, oh, someone that's maybe unintelligent. But, you know, Joe talks about how you can separate yourself from your, your logical, you know, you need that. In fact, you know, a lot of times for the visualization, for meditation, for you need to separate yourself. So let's go through. So March came and here you have this, you have, you know, you have a business that you're selling to events, you know, so you were actually one of the first people I thought of because in our, in our little space in the mastermind, you know, I'm looking around and most of us are coaches and well, yes, it's a luxury service. I mean, people still, you know, needed those things and they're here for you. You know, here is where some people, they literally roll up their street and they're like, okay, I'm done. I can't do this. I mean, I've seen, I saw gyms close earlier than others. Like for example, I saw a gym, they took all their stuff and they rented it out. They said, okay, we're going to reinvent. Like we are closing our doors, but guess what? We're sending out a list. You want to rent out some of my CrossFit stuff? I can do it. What were you thinking? And how did you come up with the idea of your pivot? Yeah. So this is, Everything that has happened is literally, if I were to dream up the worst possible scenario for the ticket industry, the live event industry, this would be it. Like, right. I've, I've had this conversation numerous times with people. This is, this is worst case scenario for us. So right. I had, uh, up, until, up until I couldn't be optimistic anymore, I was extremely optimistic. And so was my entire team. Like, we heard everything we wanted to hear. It's just a flu, nothing like events aren't going anywhere. We don't have to worry about it. People still go to events. And then I'm sitting, I'm literally in the bathtub. I remember this so vividly. And I read the CDC has limited gatherings to no more than 50 people. And the next thing I read is that the NBA has been shut down indefinitely. And there was just the quick shift into, okay, this is real. I need to actually take this seriously. And I had my two minutes of woe is me, this sucks, poor me, the worst case scenario, and quickly transition into control what you can control. It Ultimately, this is happening for me, for us, for my business, and we're going to come out of this and there is going to be something, or maybe it's multiple things that are that we would never have imagined, like so much better. So I had a meeting with my team and I said, here's the deal. This is going to be gone for, you know, the foreseeable future. We've got a runway of eight weeks. Let's make the most out of it. And we played stupid idea time. I said, I said, look at everything we have. We have amazing leadership. We have amazing people in marketing. We have great graphic designers. We've got genius people in finance. We have all the things you need for a successful business. You know, tickets isn't what made us successful. It's, it's the people and the, and the assets that we have within. So we took that. We said, all we need is an idea. And we played stupid idea time and threw a lot of really, really bad business ideas out there. Stumbled upon one that we really liked in, in helping influencers and personal brands grow their brand, grow their engagement, bring in quality leads through Instagram. And we stuck with that. We literally just applied so many of the principles that we had learned through what we were doing in the event industry to a different industry. And it's worked out really well for us. I love that. And I, I just love that you really even pointed out that you were able to do this because you did have the strong leadership. You know, for so long, I used to see 
I used to really not see skill as something that everyone can acquire. That, I mean, that meaning like everything's a skill and we just need some time in it. And that our core values are the things that really matter more than that. And that, you know, for so many years, I was always like thinking we needed to hire maybe on like some skill they already maybe had, not realizing that there's so much more to business than just like having that person's skills. So I think that's important to point out. And then also to point out, like, this isn't just like some small little side job business. You were a multi-million dollar business here that then is completely, you know, pivoting. So I, I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, like you said, yeah, having the moment first of going, okay, but then being able to switch that and, and seeing things for you is, is so critical. And it is such a separator. I wish sometimes people would just pause and go, okay, well, let me just listen to this one thing. And then he got back up and then he did, you know, like that's the key because when I used to go to chemotherapy and I would look around, I always, you know, wondered why you could take two of the same exact people and be on the same exact drugs and just be completely, you know, different. And, you know, it's so much of the way that we respond to it, the way that we, you know, see things, you know, I'm sure that when you did start to go through the possibilities of where you're going, you know, you're looking for other successes, you're looking for other wins because you're like, hey, success leaves clues. Okay, this might be an area for me. So take me now to the RV because let me tell you, I, and this is just totally judgmental. I'm just going to throw it out there. I never pictured you Bryce as like the RV person. And I'm not saying that I should even like stereotype an RV person because I'm seeing everybody now in their RVs, but you're living in your RV and okay. Tell me where this came from. Cause I know that you'd said you guys wanted to travel this year, but travel and RV is completely different in my book. So yeah. tell me how this started. Yeah. Well, first, like I cannot even be offended at all because I didn't think I was the RV person. I literally had a conversation with Michaela yesterday and I'm like, who am I? I got long hair. I just bought a ukulele. I'm like, a hiker. I'm live in an RV. If you would have told me this six months ago, I would have said you were absolutely crazy. Like I can't count anything out at this point because the amount that I have shifted as a person in the last couple months is just crazy. Um, so, so there's that. But as far as us getting into it, I mean, we intended to travel for 2021 and Airbnbs didn't seem like a real thing like a a viable option. Planes didn't seem like a viable option. And we just said, you know what? We're going to create our own reality. We're not going to let anything control what we do. We're almost naive or or arrogant in that sense of like, we can do whatever we want. And we did. We visited some friends that had an RV and we had no intentions of buying an RV whatsoever. We went and visited them, walked inside, checked it out. And we're like, okay, this is, this is pretty nice. Like I had all the stereotypes in my head of trailer trash and stuff you see on TV. And I was like, that is not me. No chance. So I, we went into their RV, which has mountain views and it's beautiful on the inside. And it's like a tiny house, like really conservative, but all the things you need. And from there we were having dinner. So we went and grabbed ice, came back. By the time we went to grab ice and came back, we stepped out of the car and said, yeah, we're going to buy one too. We're going to, we're going to do this as well. And they looked at us like, you guys are insane. Like you, you were gone for 
15 minutes. Seriously, is this a joke? And from that point, we were in Denver. We cut our lease short or we just left. We packed up all our stuff in a matter of two days, put it in a storage unit, drove all the way home to Florida, bought an RV, renovated it a little bit. And by the time we decided we were going to buy an RV to the time we were actually on the road was under a month. Wow. We, we moved fast. So, okay. Tell me, you know, three things you missed and three things that you don't miss. I know this is on the spot, but like, I'm thinking of so many things. So I literally, this is the funniest one. I just told this to Michaela yesterday. One thing, and I don't know if this is just our RV, but the toilet's a little high. So I have to like use my tippy toes to touch the ground and Michaela's feet dangle. So that's one thing I'm like, ah, I could, you know, I could do without, um, I'm a, I'm a bath guy. Like I'd love a good bath. No shame about it at all. I could, I could sit in the bath forever. We don't have a bath. So that's definitely something that is missed. The third thing, a dishwasher, a dishwasher would be great. But honestly, the, like the negatives are so small in comparison. I think the, the things that I enjoy the most, the biggest one of all is just being able to have our home wherever we go. We are on vacation. Like imagine having, being able to go on vacation, but not having to deal with a rental car, not having to deal with a hotel, having all your stuff. You can't, you don't worry about forgetting your toothbrush or any of that. You can go and experience a brand new city, brand new location, and then come home and sleep in your own bed. Like that is just unfathomable to me. And it's absolutely amazing. I'm, I t- I'm totally with you. And we actually last year, um, I even told this story on my, I have a podcast on the reticular activation system. And we were um, out in like Idaho, Montana, you know, West Yellowstone, my family is from out there. And so I landed and, and drove out with my brother. And on our drive out, we were talking about this summer, it being the summer that I take my kids out there and really show them like where I'm from. And we were like, let's rent an RV, you know, blah, blah, blah. So we talked about RVs for a few minutes at that point, but we did like a four hour drive that day, you know, and then talked about RVs while we were up in Idaho and decided, okay, let's rent an RV plus let's get an Airbnb. Well, on our drive back, and this is just over like a three day period, we saw more RV parks and more like RVs because our RAS now was like looking for yeah. it where we were like, oh my gosh, this was here, this whole drive here. We just hadn't noticed it, but yeah. I think it's becoming kind of a, you know, a popular thing in that people are looking for like the minimal, you know, um, the life that you don't need to have all the things, you know, I I relate it to like my brother moved to China and just even that transition, you know, for him was like, you know, you don't, he's like, man, as Americans, I realized Amy, we just have so much of everything that we just don't need. He's like, I mean, what, instead of buying a new belt, like, I went and got another hole in my belt, like just stuff that we're not thinking of. Right. So have you met, do you miss a lot of your stuff? Are you feeling like actually freer? It's very freeing to be a little bit of a minimalist. Like there's so much clutter in, in, we did a, obviously did a huge purge of throwing stuff out and there's so many things that you just don't need and they just create extra decisions and take you away from the things that actually matter. So that's, I mean, that was my number two thing, just being 
a little bit of a minimalist and we still, I mean, we have space, like we have right. everything we need. I think we were, we were pretty conservative as it was, as far as things and extra things go. Um, we, we still have our, like, we've got what some people might say is too many books, but I'm not getting rid of my books. Michaela has way too many tarot card decks. <laughs> she, she, keep, she keeps buying new decks of, of spiritual cards and oracle cards and all this stuff. And I'm like, we live in an RV. You can't keep we, we running out of space. Um, but we still do have our things. But, but as a whole, I think it just makes it easier to you know, focus on the things that matter. Totally, totally. So talk me through because I'm seeing this as a major like mind hacking opportunity for you because you made a few really big important points is that you're doing nothing like you used to do. So you've changed a lot of routines and a lot of people, you know, I just finished reading. I, I think I read too many brain books all at once because I'm kind of like I'm, I've combined them. I read The Brain That Changes Itself. I read The Placebo Effect for the second time. And then I read um, one about um, immature parents, but it was all brain stuff. Right. And okay. he talks a lot about, you know, Joe does talk about like, if you want to change things, you need to change your environment, like the neuroplasticity, like you have more likelihood of having that change. And you've recently changed all of these, you know, routines in your life. I mean, even down to like, you're getting out of a different bed, you're, you know, in a different landscape. So I see that as like a lot of potential in just some mind shifts for people. So like, if you're listening you know, and you're stuck in a rut or you feel like you have been stuck in a negative cycle. That's not the case with you, Bryce, but having a huge shift like this is an opportunity to change some of that because we don't realize how much of our physiology is really kind of attached sometimes to even our environment where we're at and we're not realizing it, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. And we were talking about this before we went live, but the idea of anchors and those being attached to locations. And that's something that I always relied on before this. It was yeah. like, my office was my office. And that's where I worked. So as soon as I stepped in, my brain would immediately shift into work mode. And it was super easy. But now, with us being in such a limited space, I've had to adapt. So I mean, I know you use a lot of physical anchors. Well, mm -hmm. we've started to use stuff like that me and Michaela got bracelets. They're, they're our work bracelets. So when we're working together, we have our bracelets. And when we're no longer working, we take them off. And then it's back to, you know, I don't know, we, we haven't created alter egos, but it's back to Bryce and Michaela, just normal. And I think that that's one thing that we're recognizing is like how much an environment can have an effect. And I think you're right. Like, it can be used if somebody is trying to to break a habit or make a shift. It can be such a an aid to that. For me, I haven't really thought of it that way. It's honestly just been, okay, how do I adapt? Now that everything's different, how can I stay on track and, and continue to do the things that I was doing before? Things like my routine, my routine can stay the same. So that's been great. I, st I can still meditate and read and, and do all those things as well. It's just in a different environment. It's in a better environment. I'd much rather meditate out in the grass with mountain views and trees and all that. So that's amazing. But the little, little things with the space and, and all that have definitely thrown us a curveball, but we're adapting. I think that's amazing. I mean, I, that was going to be one of my areas of, you know, question was, you know, how do you change gears? The bracelet 
obsessed. I'm totally going to want to do that because Eric and I, you'll laugh. We do containers. We call it our container just because that was like the word that Chris used. Right. And so anytime he would want to go into his other container, which is like personal container, he he'll be standing there. He'll actually jump like he's jumping over a line. So he'll jump and shift his body and he'll go, okay, now I'm, you know, and we actually have like, I love alter ego and I love best self. Like those two books I actually teach out of because I'm obsessed with creating alter Mm -hmm. egos because I really feel like my brain is less threatened by my alter ego. And so when I'm wanting to be lazy, I can use my alter ego. So we have relationship ones and we've named them. And then like, you know, I have a little index card that I have a picture even that I, so I anchor my character and I even have an anti-self. So my my best self for my relationship is Bay Fritter and Bay Fritter is soft and she's like not authoritative at all. She's like super playful. And you know, and I got a picture of her and then I have like all the characteristics of her. And then I have like my work one and then my anti-self relationship is runaway bride. And you know, she's like, I'm out when I'm feeling threatened, like she doesn't want to stay. And so I, I use these, um, you know, just to, help change me because I can't imagine being in the same space because, you know, Eric and I work together. And so I'm totally going to do the bracelet because the jumping thing doesn't always happen. And I know that that would help us be just more aware because you guys, I'm sure same thing. Like you want to be able to work and be, cause I'm, I'm a different person when we are working. And then especially for what I know works for his love language, you know, say personally, right. So you, it's important to shift that. So with your routines, how have you, um, I mean, you, you're obviously spending more time, you know, outside. What have you found um, in terms of like evening routines? Are you used to being each, in each other's space? Do you guys have separate places that you go to do things? So that was a big concern of mine coming into this of there's really, we're going to have to be really intentional about getting our own alone time because we're, we're on top of each other all day long. We both work from the RV, like we, it's 24 seven, but honestly has not been too big of a, an issue or a challenge. I think because we are out so much hiking and in nature and able to be alone a little bit, but still be together. There definitely are days where it's like, Hey, I just, I need a day can you leave or can I leave or something like that? And we understand neither of us get offended because we have that mutual respect and understand that everybody needs their alone time. And ultimately it'll, it will allow us to show up better for each other in our relationship. So we're respectful of that of like, okay, you need a day. You're not, it's, it's not me. It's not that you don't like me. You just need some personal time. So I'll get out of your hair or go do whatever you want to do. But honestly, it hasn't been, as crazy as I thought it would be. I thought it would be a, a much more regular occurrence. I thought it was going to be every day. Hey, can you leave? I got to leave. Get, get away from me. It hasn't been like that at all. That's good to know. I wondered that because I'm like, oh, you know, I mean, I, I'm really blessed in that when this all happened with quarantine, like we were already really used to it. You know, we work from home. So Eric and I were like, man, we can be pros at this. Whereas I watched a lot of my own clients that they're like, I've never been around my husband. Like I've never, and there is, there is a transition period of getting used to that. I mean, I, I was married before for 15 years and my husband was deployed for, you know, 
70 to 100 days at a time. And that was for 15 years. So I got used to having like a part-time spouse. When I got married to Eric, not only were we living together, but we were like in business together. I'm like, well, we gotta, you know, get used to it. But there's so many things that I think this is this period for a lot of people and you guys even moving into an RV, it's like sink or swim, you know, like you really do see if you have, you know, what it takes to be compatible and, and work on yourself because you brought up something in another podcast and this really goes back to the belief in self. And I kind of want to even us wrap up with this. And that is, you know, you love yourself and it starts with you. And you said on there that I got to take care of me, like outside of that, you know, then it's Michaela, my dog, my parents, you know, that's why I heard you talk about that. But first and foremost, like if I don't have a full cup, you know, and I wish people would understand this more because I didn't operate from the full cup. This is the whole reason why I started this podcast is I had an affair, which is just a symptom to a bigger problem. I had other issues, again, just a symptom to a bigger problem. And it always starts with ourselves, that if we are loving ourselves, one, you're able to say, I need that boundary of, I need to go have some space to myself. You know, people that don't, you know, like I remember reading recently that, resentment is a form of self-betrayal. And I was like, what? But it is because you're not speaking up. Like when you finally have the resentment, it's because you've not sat down with that person, with that thing and specified what you need, what you want. You're assuming things or whatever. So I, I found that really fascinating, but, you know, creating your best self, you know, you, you mentioned that and about loving yourself and, that takes you into embodying what you want. So talk me through that. Where does your belief in your, you know, do you work at your self-love Bryce? Do you, you know, I don't, I didn't picture you as being this person that, and I hate using the word soft, but I want to use that word because you're very in tune with your emotions. And I think that's important. I love that, you know, you mentioned the thing about the bath on the other podcast, because I mean, you are who you are. And, you know, I mean, I'm just in the last couple of years becoming that person too, where I get to be who I want and who I am. And that's so freeing. But do you practice at it? How do you really, in, you know, when you talk about that embodying it, how do you make yourself the priority? Oh, yeah. I, I think that it's something that I've just come to the realization of that when I'm operating at 100%, I show up so much better in every other area of my life. And I kind of took time to reflect. I actually, I was doing some sort of exercise where I was laying out like the three most important things to me. And I ended up just pushing myself up to the top, up to the top, up to the top and had the, the aha moment of, I can't be a good partner if I'm not 100% healthy, happy, all of those things. So that applies to everything else, dog, dad, son, all of those things. So what if I, what if I flip this on its head and I put myself first every single day and I did everything I needed to do in order to operate at hundred percent capacity and, and be the, the person that I want to be, how much easier is it going to be for me to show up hundred percent in my relationship? and 100% in my business, and 100% in all areas of my life. And I think a lot of people are putting other things first, but they're giving 70 or 80 or maybe 20% to those things because them they themselves are not at 100%. And, and I think that at first, first glance, it can be looked at as selfish, but when you think about it more and more and more, it's probably more selfish not to put yourself first. 
because then you're giving everybody else a, a cheaper version of you. It's so true. And, you know, a lot of people that follow me are going to be from the health and fitness space. And they would, you know, some people say, I feel guilty doing this. I'm like, you can't afford not to, because if we're talking about modeling things, you need to show your kids that you going to the gym and working out is important. You need to show them that when you are eating healthy and stuff like this is important to you, that it's not that when you're tired, your default isn't to go drive through and get fast food. Your default is to take care and like the self care. So I just think that that is, you know, so important. And, you know, you're right. We have to show that and we could grind it out. I used to be that person. And, you know, the best thing I gave myself was when we won, I hired a coach because I felt like I really needed to be around other people. And one of my first coaches, the first thing when he started to teach me how to build my perfect routine was my self-care went in first. So I have to schedule all my actual free time first, which is really weird for me. I was like, oh, wow, I have sat, I'm going to have all these hours. I felt like, right. But it really allowed me to see that I can afford to have this time. You know, I know you're a big meditator and so many people have told me over the years, like, oh, I don't have the time. I'm like, you have, you don't have the time not to, because by me doing like my morning routine takes me a full hour. I follow Robin Sharma's, you know, morning routine and, and, you know, everybody's different. Some people get right up and grind. I don't, it is like my drug that if I can do this, I just show up better. So, you know, I think that that's just an important thing. I know that you, what other hacks I want to know just last minute, because you, you know, we, we have matching glasses at night. What other things do you do at night to get yourself, um, you know, to wind down? I mean, do you have like a no screen time turn off? Do you have like, what are your little rules? Yeah. So I, I'm such like a, a biohacker. Like I just, I just want to figure out how I can be like 1% better or just a little bit better, get a little bit of an edge on myself, really. Um, honestly, I have this thing called a whoop. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. You, Hello. You have, oh my God. I'm like such a fanboy. <laughs> I've never been such a fanboy of a product, but that has allowed me to actually, and I'm so data driven to actually like put things in the journal and see the data every single month and see what's working or what's not. So the, the really big things for me, sleep is huge. I mean, I, I'm such a believer that if you think back to like caveman days, sleep is terrible, right? It's putting you in the most vulnerable possible position you could be in. You, it, and again, caveman days, mauled by a lion, tiger, bear, whatever that may be. So if it wasn't really important, don't you think evolution would have done away with it a really long time ago? So that's, mm-hmm. I heard someone say that one time and that just completely shifted. And, and I've always been a sleeper, but now I'm just so intentional about it. Um, beyond that, blue blockers is, is really big. Getting away from screens as much as I can, leading up to bedtime. The obvious things like healthy diet, exercise, um, meditation, like you already said it, but I think that it's the, it's, it's like the, the hidden hack that all, all the really successful people, if you read Tools of Titans or Tribe of Mentors, like Tim Ferriss's books, where he talks to the most successful people in every single industry, they all meditate. Yeah. And it's like, why are people not talking about this? It's almost a weird thing. Like if you were to go into a crowd and, and tell people you meditate, it, you would be an outcast. But totally. It's like, I think it's, it should be just as normal as taking a shower. You would never yes. not take a shower or not brush your teeth. Meditation should be like brought into those categories. That's, yeah, that's it, the biggest thing for me. 
I agree. I agree. Enough people don't know about it. I love my whoop. I'm I'm big on the sleep too. My latest thing, it's funny because I was looking on my phone as you were saying your hacker. I'm like, what was I just searching? I was searching the juve, um, the red light. I might get one of those panels, the J-O-O-V-V. If you follow Drew Canole, and I mentioned him on here, I love Drew because Drew is like Mr. Biohacker, but he's, I mean, I think his biohacking room is like a $400,000 room. And, uh, you know, my goal over time is we have a base, we had a sauna before and in this house now we have an area that we finally have figured out if we move our laundry room. It's so funny how we're trying to move stuff just to do this is I want, I want like a biohacking room. Like I want a, I'd love to have like a cryotherapy. Uh I'd love to have a dunk tank because I'm really big on, you know, doing, I do a cold shower every day. I love the breathing, but having a room, because I do see that the change in state and your environment, it really does help. You know, it just does. If you're, I mean, even for you, you could start to anchor, like even leaving your RV, you know, and going out to do say, you know, an outdoor meditation or you did a walking one, you know, things like that. So, um, I love it. I love, uh, I love chatting with you, Bryce. Like you are, uh, so, you know, wise beyond your words. And I hope anyone listening, like, you know, you defy all of that with you're constantly learning. That's, that's actually the last thing. Let me just, let's, let's just say this because I've learned this a lot lately and I'm having a guy come on. That's going to talk all about unlearning and how unlearning is the new learning. So you read, you're a crazy reader. I love to read like this last book week. I read four books because I figured out I could paint and read at the same audible. And I'm like, why am I not? Cause I love to paint. It's like therapy for me. So I'm like, I can now do my painting. And like, so I, I got a ton done name. Um, and it doesn't have to be like your all time favorites, but just like, what are the first three books that pop in your head that you think people should read? I think shoe dog is like my favorite book of all time. It's the Nike story. If you, if you haven't read it or haven't heard about it, but that's just, when I read that, I was like, Nike literally should not exist. That company should have died a thousand times. And that they've are were so persistent and it's just an amazing story. Um, I'll start with why by Simon Sinek is so good. Mm. That's a big, that's a big one for me. Um, I'm reading one right now that I'm very new into, but it's called the Overstory, mm. and it's giving me a completely different perspective on nature and like trees in particular, which it's again, I don't know who I'm turning into, but I like it. Um, we'll have to talk more about that. I watched a really like crazy documentary on trees and and rocks. And I was like, am I, (laughs) but yeah, anyways, that's cool. That's cool. We're probably going down the same (laughs) path. Um, that's awesome. So where can people find you, Bryce? I mean, I know you're now living in your RV, so we get to see a lot of that on your stories, but are you mostly on Instagram? Yeah, I'm, I'm all over Instagram. And again, another thing, like six months ago, I posted once a year on Instagram. And now I'm like, I'm doing all this cool stuff. I got to share it with the world. So I post all the time. Uh, and I've had so much fun doing it, just like sharing and, and connecting with people, old friends and new people I've never even communicated with. I'm getting into deep conversations about who knows what, which has been so cool to me. Um, but yeah, Instagram, it's it's at Bryce Thrillson, little little play on Wilson. So I like that. You changed it. You changed it. Cause you, you, on your last podcast, I think you were going to put it out to your uh, people for some help. So, so make sure you go follow him. I'll have that in the show notes, but Bryce, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. I loved it. 
Okay, another episode in the books, and I'll tell you what, I am loving this podcasting gig. I cannot thank you enough for all of the reviews, for the comments that you've been sending me. It gives me an idea of more of what you want to hear. And my one ask here is this, I would love it if you would screenshot this or hit the copy link and share this with people you think would benefit from hearing from me. It's the way I'm going to get my message out, my vision out, and I would so much appreciate it. I will continue to bring episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays with bonus ones on Saturdays with my husband, and I'm excited to share them with you. 